and ask the Lord's blessing. <clears throat> Dear Lord, we're, we're coming before you today <clears throat> as we do week after week to sit submissively before your word and we'd ask that we would be sensible people. In your son's name, amen. Every so often in a church of much disorganization, we're grateful for the steeple. We have no staff. We have no programs. We, things barely get done around here. But then they get done, and you're very grateful for the saints to doing that. But every so often, I'm standing with some other pastors of other real churches, and I know they've got staff. They've got deacons. So every once in a while, it'd be nice to say, you know, there are people here in the church that serve the church, right? When you think of when the rest of the people are here, which is, this is probably counting the kids this morning, maybe we hit... 30. So we have maybe half the church here. So those other people, maybe a few of you, have, have thought of being of service to the church in a practical way, and I certainly have been grateful when those people do it, but you know, there's, a, there's a thing called deacons that they appointed in the early church, and that's what we're looking at in Acts 6. Now in those days... When the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists <clears throat> murmured against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Now, one of the things that, first self, you say to yourself, well, the church hasn't changed much. There's always some cause for disturbance. The Hellenists being, you might say, Grecophiles, people who were into the Greek culture versus the Hebrew culture. And it doesn't actually say that they thought they were being neglected. They were neglected. And then 12 summoned the body of disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, pick out from among you seven men of good repute full of hope, full of the Spirit, and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. And what they said pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man of full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte in Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands upon them. The appointing of the first deacons. Question of need, of practicality, actually a question of, you might say, prejudice was going on there. The Hebrew Christians were dominating the situation, and their widows were getting the lion's share. They weren't giving it out to widows of different cultural understanding. They decided to have somebody apply themselves to that task. You say, well, yeah, we've got, we've here at All Souls, we have one, uh, Brian, Thee, and kind of Glenda, because she's just more efficient at everything, um, running weddings in the treasury of the church. But every once in a while, there's some things that but pop up. I, I believe he is a rector rather than deacon. 
He is in charge of everything practical from this point on. The vicar has control over the chancel, you know, all the holy stuff. And the rector has all the practical stuff, the physical plant. We know these things come up. They come up as relationships between people deteriorate or somebody didn't, you know, have something sent to them or they're left off the email list and they get a little bit about it and you've got to somehow have somebody who takes all the heat, receives the phone calls. We, had, we were driving around running errands yesterday and, and Storm Cellar had sent inadvertently out false emails to everybody notifying them of untruths. It, it wasn't, it was sort of a test email, it wasn't supposed to go out, and it went out, and I guess Austin or whoever sent it out got boatloads of email back, and Leslie Wilson even went into the store to speak with them. Okay? And there was our daughter-in-law working, guilty as charged. Wouldn't it be nice if someone dealt with all that? Well, somebody was hired, probably by Storm Cellar, to deal with those sorts of mistakes and those arrangements. We, we kind of like that. We, we, and probably, there might be some... You know this is a small church, right? You did see all the empty spots. He said, maybe we could grow a little bit more, Evan, if you can, one cared about growing. Two, you were a bit more organized. That uh, may be true. But I'm a little worried about that. And I wanted to bring up this because, one, I'd like some more deacons in the church. I'd like it if people said, I'd like to be a deacon, and we could check them. That they were of good repute, full of the Spirit, and of wisdom that could be appointed to practical needs of the church. People strive to be, in our set of Christians, biblical. Right? Isn't it nice when you have a Bible verse for what you're doing? It says, go to Safeway on Wednesdays, saith the Lord. And there you are at Safeway on Wednesdays being biblical because you think being biblical was just great and some people because they love religion that's why they love a biblical verse that tells them what to do because okay we say well Evan just because they had deacons doesn't mean that oh isn't oh I see this passage coming up on the page 1st Timothy 3 about qualifications for deacons there isn't much in the Bible that functions as a book of church order. You know, there isn't much. I say thank God that it hasn't kept the Christians from writing books of church order. But this is one of them. And there's one for bishops as well. Bishops and deacons. This is really biblical. And I don't know if you noticed, but it kind of, this is the problem when you're the pastor has the ability to change the font size. Right there in the middle of the page, I am writing these instructions to you so that if I am delayed, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. He's almost saying, and that is the title for my book of church order. 
how to behave in the household of God. And all the religious in the room start hoisting their pants up. They're ready. They're ready for this. They're ready for, okay, we're going we're gonna to set up an outline and a presentation for all the applicants for the, 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 the diaconate. And they start using words like diaconate. Oh, you know, you just hate it. You want to drive an, ice, drive an ice pick into them. But uh, they have this moment, this moment in the sun. They, they realize, hey, the pastor wants a deacon. I just want to be the deacon of deacon appointments. So that I can run this, because this is a kind of Bible passage. Deacons, likewise, must be, and it's got a list of qualifications. St. Paul wrote this. Listen to this. I mean, we saw the deacons being appointed kind of casually. They say, okay, some guys that are good. You know, wise, filled with spirit, good reputation. Pick seven guys. Apostle said, okay, sounds good to me. And we got stories of Philip and Stephen after that. Stephen is killed the next passage, and Philip goes on to evangelize various things, Samaria and the Ethiopian eunuch. But here in Timothy, you know, well into the church's establishment, your past, the first few decades of Christianity, deacons likewise must be serious, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first. Then, if they prove themselves blameless, let them serve as deacons. The women, likewise, must be serious. Now, I don't know what your opinion is, but I think this is women deacons. But knock yourself out. No slanderers, means they're not on Facebook, but temperate, faithful in all things. A deacon be the husband of one wife, and let them manage their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these instructions to you so that if I'm delayed, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and bulwark of the truth. Well, the people on the committee, the diaconate appointment committee, probably have a little plaque made or little shirts made that say pillar and bulwark because they are the church and they've got themselves an actual bona fide biblical bit of order and all they need to do is look at all the Greek words that stand for serious and what is addicted mean not slanderers. We're going to come up with a not just a definition, but a path. But something slides by because I, I, you know how I am about religion. Can't stand the stuff. I've talked to a few of you about my predilection for kicking religion down a flight of stairs and. Um, and not that they disagree, Stephanie had words with me at one point. Lighten up, Pastor, she said. 
but probably more, more words to her effect. Like, we already know this. So, so I, I was a little bit, you know, I, I took that as good advice. I did take it as good advice. And I, I said to myself, you know, I'm not trying to always fall off that log. It's, it's shooting fish in a barrel. The hypocrisy of the age, the religious. I just want to change, not turn good Christians into little warriors for the true faith against warriors for Christendom. I want you to enjoy. I want you to enjoy the faith and I want you to enjoy these paths we take into better, you know, more organization. Okay, Evan wants a deacon. Why should I be a deacon? What's it going to take to marry this kind of person? What do I really look for? What's Evan's fear about too much religion going on? Shouldn't we be behaving this way? Yeah, but there's a, but there's a joy in this that seems to be slowly stripped from the lives of believers as more and more of the organization comes in. Even the biblical organization. Even when God, through his holy apostle, tells you how to do it and what it's about, you still find yourself visiting with the committee of the diaconate appointments, looking at them like they were the Jesuits. And you're a little, a little nervous. And they got a list of things. Not just Paul's list, but their definition of Paul's list. What's missed? I like the phrase, I really made it bold there in verse 9. Let them hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And what the gain is for them down in verse 13, they gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith. It seems that one of the have you ever noticed this about the uh, uh, bishop requirements or whatever? They have these vague terms. The bishop must be blameless. You know what? What in the world? I got a lot of things I find wrong with Evan. He's not blameless. I'll tell you that much. Blameless. Godliness. You could spend a lot of time. You'd have to get a seminarian to create a you know the clearer definition than Saint Paul chose to be. We need to know what it is we're really looking for. We're not looking for more organization. There's an ought to behave in the household of God, yes. We're looking to solve problems, yes. But only a certain way. People have moved away and not been able to find churches. I said, well, just have a church in your home. Just have a home fellowship. I said, well, none of us are qualified. I said, you don't have to be qualified. Just don't have any bishops. Don't have any pastor. Just gather with the saints, read the scriptures, sing hymns. Do what Christians would do with each other. I want people to have the joy of what it is to not be religious as they do the necessary religious thing. We meet together, we have a time, we have a building. We might get some deacons out of this, who knows? Some of you might go, yeah, this sounds pretty easy. Heaven doesn't have any standards whatsoever. I'm going forward. 
I want you to be the kind of person who they go, yeah, he holds the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Or she holds the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. See what I did there? I, I, I was not a sexist. I am, for the most part, a sexist. But there I wasn't. So some of the women say, I, I want to be a deacon. I've got no problem with it. But you've got to hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Now, why would, why did I was thinking, I was reading through this. I was reading through this because I've been thinking about deacons lately. And I kept reading, which is always good. I got down there to verse, into verse 15. He says, which is the church of the living God and the, bol- the pillar and bulwark of the truth. And then he says something different. He is not standing on the organizational principles, nor is he standing on the power invested in the organizational body. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of our religion. He starts to talk about the thing that a a candidate for deaconship has to hold with a clear conscience. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of our religion. Because that's what you're looking for in a deacon. That they hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And a clear conscience on the mystery of the faith would come away with the phrase, great indeed. You know, sometimes when you're sort of radical Anabaptisty about things and there's no organization, everybody's a little frustrated. Why can't we have some deacons or some robes, some funny hats? We can have some funny hats. We'll get some. We'll get some Sunday. We're going to buy all the same color ball cap, and we'll somebody will whisper, guest at the door. We'll all put our yellow ball caps on. They'll walk in. And they'll think they walked into the handmaid's tale or something like that. You know. Just for fun. What I want to see is not that, oh my gosh, we know better than being churchy. You know, I don't know if you grew up in a family that wasn't churchy and sort of took pride in it, that it wasn't churchy. The thing is not that you're not churchy, but that you are more righteous for being not churchy. That you are closer to God being not churchy. Not that, well, I'm kind of spiritual and I, I could be close to God on the golf course. We're not looking for excuses. We're looking for greater. The mystery, great indeed, is the mystery of our religion. And then it's this thing that most scholars think is a portion of a hymn. An early Christian hymn. He was manifested in the flesh vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. That's the kind of mind you want to hear in your deacons. It's about Christ. It ain't about deacon. It's about Christ in a great indeed is the thing they believe with a clear conscience. It's not even, it's, it's not muddled up in any way. I was talking, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago, talking to a 
young man about his spirituality. And for the life of him, he could not... I, think he never, I don't think he ever even heard the gospel. His father was a pastor. And he didn't know how to describe his spiritual situation. He was just getting back to church because church is really what's important. It's the pillar and bulwark, you know. No great indeed is the mystery. That's what you're looking for in a deacon. That's what you ought to be looking for in you as a, just a parishioner. That great indeed is the mystery of our religion. It's he was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Don't let a committee become your measure of the faith. Don't let a system of order push aside the greatness of your calling. It says in verse 1 of the next chapter, now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by giving heed to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons through the pretensions of liars whose consciences are seared. That's telling you that the Christian church is going to be hurt by false teachers. In the later times. We are in the later times from him anyway. Pretentious people who've got no conscience left. But Christians will depart from the faith. It's crucial that you don't just have the backing of the committee. Because that's what church becomes for so many people. It's the list of things you've got to believe. But you've got to affirm, okay, Jesus, incarnation, death, burial, resurrection. Hope my kids learned this in Sunday school. They learned to chant it back because... But no, deceitful spirits make short work of people who are just holding a chant that says the true thing. Easy pickings. I, I think I mentioned this before. I read it in, on Drudge, so it has to be true. 70% of kids growing up in religious families fall away by the time they hit college. 70%. They don't fall away. They're not Christians. <laughs> but you know what I mean. We, we've all known them, right? Now they're agnostics. Now they're atheists. Now they just don't care. It's not that the committee wasn't forceful enough. It's not that the chant wasn't loud enough. It was the mystery of the religion was not held with a clear conscience. It wasn't considered great indeed, the mystery of our religion, who Christ is. It says, who forbid marriage and enjoin abstinence from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Still today, people religiously forbidding foods abstinence from marriage. Whatever kind of rules you want to create, it happened very early in the church. Paul's almost a prophet regarding this. And Christians still today kind of doff their hat towards this false teaching that sits out there in some of the greatest cathedrals of history. And yet, we just think that our Protestant uh, way our Protestant committee will straighten this out. 
our orderly people who want to get together and write long books about what it means to be a deacon and whether, I mean, the Christian church today, the believing Protestant church today, because it's all feminist on one side and all uptight on the other, they're fighting down in the trenches. It's a knife fight in a dark place. They are drawing blood. I read these articles on, and they just, they have no patience with each other. Both of them thinking, controlling the church order. Controlling the church order is, is if we could just get the PCA to do this, or we could stop the PCA from doing that. There's some conference going on right now. I, I, I just know that people are almost spitting mad about it. That's not how we deal with these things. Create another little bit of pretension. Another little bit of, of, of our team and our shirts look better. And, and uh, our orthodoxy goes back further. Ours is more biblical. Paul's response is different, a little bit different. For everything created, excuse me, who forbid marriage and enjoin absence from foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Not a different committee with a different claim of uh, a, a, a Protestant edict on the uh, role of marriage. You've heard those, maybe you've seen books a Christian statement on a manifesto on marriage or a manifesto on child rearing or whatever else. We, we need a few less of those people. Even the ones that are saying the true thing. And more people who just say, you know, God made it to be received with thanksgiving, not answered with a white paper. Receive it with thanksgiving. by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving. I just told you, wouldn't it be better if you just received with thanksgiving and said, shut the heck up. You don't want me to receive this thanksgiving? I don't need to write you a paper. I just need to know the truth. Because the mystery of the religion, the great indeed is it to me. I want to be in it. Not winning some war in the trenches between factions in the faith. That was unintended alliteration. For then it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. You don't want to have the committee coming up and say, yeah, well, it says here about the word consecrated. At the end, there'll be an appendix that has the, the consecration committee will have produced a stamp, like a notary public's, that they will stamp this document that the true church has done in a true submission to the Bible, uh, delineating uh, how we're supposed to receive Thanksgiving, a marriage with Thanksgiving, and all foods with Thanksgiving, and it has been consecrated. The church and all the bishops and their assorted funny hats got together and prayed this, so let it be written, so let it be done. We don't need that. You've got the mystery of your religion. You have God in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit. 
Do you realize how silly any, I don't care if it's, I don't care, pick the group you agree with, okay? <laughs> don't pick the group you don't agree with because then it seems like you're up to no good. Wow, isn't that funny how the Catholics wear funny hats? Yeah, it's easy, shooting fish in a pond. Sure, they're apostate, no doubt. Far better look at your own group, your own temptations. It says in verse 7, oh, excuse me, verse 6, if you put these instructions before the brethren, you'll be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the words of the faith and the good doctrine which you have followed. These instructions, because if I went from the list of how to be a deacon to the comment, this is how you ought to behave, if you put these instructions before the brethren, the instructions Nazis would be all over this. Well, you could back away from this passage. The committee has it now. We will let you know when we have a conclusion. Is the All Souls Christian Church position on deacons? Have nothing to do with godless and silly myths. Train yourself in godliness. Have nothing to do with godless and silly myths. We don't understand how LARPy some religion is. We don't understand that it's like everybody pretending to be religious in some fashion. We're the, we're the thing that God did that your faith made you something that your relationship with him is something that your own knee buckled, you prayed, you called on him, it was great indeed to you because it's the salvation of your soul. It's not us, it's you. And we happen to get together as an us, but I hope it's all together with various saved individuals who are still thinking great indeed is their salvation. Great indeed is the mystery that only because the mystery is there, which Paul argues to Ephesians is the gospel of the Gentiles, salvation by faith of the Gentiles. That's the mystery, and you Gentiles ought to be very grateful. But only if you are in that saved state, we get so easily derailed into something that's far less and more pretend religion. Don't have anything to do with godless and silly myths. Somebody was telling me, I don't know what your view is of uh, climate change. I don't buy it. Okay. My, my basic thought is, my gosh, are you in junior high? That you believe something's so trend and popularity driven? And you see these wars in churches where the committees of the liberal or the committees of the conservative, they're trying to get the, they kind of catch the wave of everyone's interest so that their group becomes stronger so they can dominate the Southern Baptists or they can dominate the Presbyterians or whatever it is they're dominating because they're playing a game of high school click. They want to win, not because of the mystery of religion that just makes you a different person, 
where you're thanking God for the good that you have and you know that the truth is in you and you benefit from the truth. You don't have to prove it. I keep quoting myself because I like me, but truth is under no obligation to convince you. You're under an obligation to be convinced by it. So if you have the truth, you just have the circumstance of being able to live in accordance with truth and say, Greatest, great indeed is this mystery of my religion. I stand forgiven. I stand empowered by God. I am thankful. My life and my family is at peace because I did that which God expected. I'm not going to get caught up in the silly myths and the funny hacks of Christendom. Train yourself in godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life. That's the part I wanted. I made that bold because, you know, it's not all pie in the sky by and by. It's a promise for the present life. Godliness, you experiencing the mystery of this religion, you're not waiting for the unorganized Anabaptist church to finally create a committee on female deacons or a white paper. Train yourself in godliness. How's the training going? I mean, I know that some of you go to the gym. I do not. But if you do go to the gym, what's the training for godliness looking like? And they say, well, you know, it's, it's not really about time, how much time I spend. Okay, fine. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hopes set on the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. I just, whenever you listen to the religion of the apostles, you're listening to people who cut to the chase, didn't stop and go, you know, this is going to be very interesting in 2,000 years. We're going to need to put some things down that delineate how this goes on. How you baptize, why you baptize, how you do this, how you do that. It's amazing how little there is. And how many people destroyed the faith by filling in the blanks. Because they weren't thinking of having their hope set on the living God. Their Savior especially if you're some of the ones who believe you are saved by him. So you stop and say, I toil, I strive, I hope. Where is it? How much? We're just lazy. We don't give you anything to set your teeth into organizationally. And I apologize, and that might be why there's so few people here. But I would hope even if there was organization, that you would be thinking, great indeed, is this mystery. That when you talk to a non-Christian friend, you wouldn't think so much of inviting them to church, as if church, in some Catholic sense, did the magic. But that you say, no, that I need to tell them about Jesus Christ. Our hope is set in the living God. He is the Savior of all men. I don't want to go into the benefits of 
that little quote. He's the savior of all men, especially if you believe in him. That's where our hope is. Not in the committee that's going to be picking the deacons. Oh, by the way, yeah, I'd like to have some deacons. I'd like to have some more elders, too. Qualifications are there. Knock yourself out. We're not going to have a committee. But be looking for the joy that is the Christian life far and away different than white papers and official consecrated responses. I know, you say, Evan, that's two weeks in a row. This sermon sounds like it's coming in early. Yes. I'm old. I'm tired. I'm at the end of the passage. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful. Keep us rejoicing in your your religion, your household, the temple of your son. We'd ask that we would sing his praises because of what he has done for us. And not interest ourselves in getting into fights about who's in charge of the institutions. If we're in the kind of institutional church, Lord, God bless it, keep us with the right ordinate valuation, the faith and its mystery above all else. In your son's name, amen.